grew up loving superheroes. You can be honest. It's all right. Oh, I did. I mean, I, I, who was, uh, let me hear some favorites, though. Just yell out a favorite. Some from over here. Wonder Woman. Okay, she wasn't, I, I was impressed, but that wasn't my favorite or anything. But Okay, I heard Wonder Woman. What, what else? Superman. Who else? Batman. You know, it's so silly. I knew what you said, but in my mind, I heard Fat Man. And I thought, okay, I could do that, maybe, but okay. What, what over here? Anybody else? Thor. Thor. Underdog. All right. Yeah, I liked Underdog. And if we're going cartoons, there was a few others, I thought. Anybody ever see The Tick? Okay, that was just fun. That was just hilarious. But anybody else? Get, who? Spider-Man, of course, Spider-Man. Those are some of the, the best... You know what? Um, in the last few years, it seems like um, a lot of that comic book stuff has kind of broken out of the comic book world, and now it's on movies, and you see a lot of... El- and then there's all these TV shows with people with superpowers. What are some superpowers you wish you had? Let's hear from over here first. Invisibility. That would be fun. Could get you in trouble, but... What else? Mind reading. You know, I always thought I wanted that, then I realized, if someone read my mind, because it's so random at times, and there's things I think, oh, I didn't mean to think that, but okay. Uh, what else, though? Well, how about over here? What's some superpowers you wish you had? Flying. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to fly. Strength? Super- <laughs> Probably the strongest guy in here is strength. Yes, okay. Uh, how about over here? Speed, super speed. That would, be, that would be cool. Anybody else over here? Any others? Yes. Football, all right. Be like Angel. Does Angel Michael play football? I guess he could. I don't know. But, I, you know, all those would be awesome. I, I would add to that maybe endurance. You know, some of those, you, know, you see some of those superheroes, they've got endurance. I, I actually did this. to. I, I actually Googled, like, superpowers. Did you know there's, like, <laughs> this is really, really a thing. I mean, you can get really into this. I mean, there's, I, I went to this one website, which... Um, I'm almost embarrassed now. It's on you know, a list somewhere. I'm probably on a list with NASA somewhere or at NSA. But um, they had this list, and they break them down by all these different categories of superpowers. You know, things that manipulate nature, things that in- manipulate the mind. I mean, there's all these, like, oh, my goodness, people, you are way into this. I mean, I thought I was into it, but nothing like that. But endurance is cool. I, I like the unbreakable one. I don't know if anybody saw that movie, but just where you could survive whatever. You know, I mean, it, obviously you would take a lot more risks in life and do things probably you shouldn't do. But, you know, somebody mentioned x-ray vision and flying. I've always thought teleporting would be cool, too. I mean, it, it'd be kind of like flying and you'd miss the trip. But it would be kind of cool to just be there, you know, wherever. And I, I know some of us grew up, you know, with Star Trek and all of that where a lot of that we're seeing now. I mean, with our phones today, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday. I mean, we were, we were on the phone and doing... Well, I was at a wedding. I, some of you remember Eric Ward. He got married yesterday. It was really cool. But it was up in Iowa. And he was trying to give directions to one of his friends that was coming. And, I'm, and he was t- the whole time, I'm thinking, do they not have a phone? And he goes, well, I'm talking to him on the phone. I, I got that. But are you serious? They can't get here with their GPS on their phone? And, and it was a young couple, too. And they get there, and they're like, oh, no, no smartphone ever for us. Like, okay. All right. Well, it's interesting, but uh, I thought about the shape-shifting one. That would be kind of cool, especially if you're not happy with your shape from time to time, I guess. But (laughs) one thing that's always puzzled me, and I know I overthink this, so just give me a break here, but anytime there's a shape-shifter on anything, I always wonder, what about the clothes, though? How do they get the clothes to do it, too? It's just weird. I'm glad they do, but it's just weird. But my favorite always, and this has nothing to do with the sermon, I've just always loved Batman. 
You know, part of it was, you know, people say, well, what about Superman? Well, it's just like, I mean, who can actually beat Superman? You've almost got to invent things that are going to be able to fight the guy that can do it all. But Batman, I don't know, it's something about it where he, he was human, he had, he had flaws, but he also, you know, worked really hard to be able to save the world. And I've heard people say, well, he's just a vigilante. Well, they're all vigilantes. Are you serious? None of them are, you know, real cops or nothing. I mean, they're all vigilantes when it comes down to it. The thing about it is, we, we thought we'd go, go with this theme because, you know, really, in our world today, you have to have superpowers to be a good dad. If you think about it, our world, all the things that come against you, it's, it's tough. I mean, society doesn't respect dads, and it seems like, yeah, there's always been sitcoms that make fun of a, you know, klutzy dad or whatever, but it just seems like more and more um, to have a dad that's really an influence and doing the right things is, is offensive to people. And, and really, if you're a good dad, you know, some people might nod and wink, but it, part of them is thinking, oh, you know, I didn't have a good dad, so it's not fair for you to have a good dad, or I don't know, it's just, it's weird. It's, and I know, you know, this is a tough day for some because there's so many categories of dads. Some of you here today can't be with your kids, or, or you know, some of you today, maybe you didn't have the kind of dad you wish you'd had, and, or, or maybe your dad wasn't really involved, or a talker, or sensitive, and you wish you had that, and... and um, you know, I, I know all that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But getting back to the superhero theme and Superman, remember how he was kryptonite? I mean, kryptonite was the one thing that would make him weak and, and destroy his powers. And, and uh, you know, he always had that thing going with Lex Luthor, and I don't know where he's finding a kryptonite, but he's getting it, and all of a sudden Superman's all-powerful, and then he's not, and he's crawling around and almost dying. And I think about that, and we have, in our society, there's a lot of things that act as kryptonite on dads things that make us weaker as a dad and keep us from fulfilling our duties and, and being as much of a super dad as we should be. You know, the kryptonite in our society is different than what, you know, obviously affected him. But sadly, we're talking about phones, but this can be a kryptonite for some dads, where this gets more attention when they're home than their kids do. Or it can take over their life, or, or someone sends a text and they're automatically distracted and they're in a conversation and boom, they're gone. And as a dad, you know, the internet can take over and be too much of a draw or, or games they're playing or phone call or work. Work can be kryptonite sometimes because it's so overwhelming and work, you know, it's just the way God has wired us. And, I'm not, and I know I'm making a broad generalization with men and women, but men, we're wired that work becomes a lot of our identity. And because of that, it can have more influence over us than the identity of being a father where that takes precedent over everything else. And work becomes the thing that defines us more than even being a dad. And, and people have asked, you know, especially with this transition and becoming pastor, which again, I'm so humbled and honored. And people say, they'll say, what should I call you? And racing through my mind, you know, I know Pastor Jeremy made some jokes about that the other day, but some of the things that race through my mind are, I'd be happy if you just called me a dad. I mean, I don't call, I don't, I, if, if I could be a great dad, that would be more important to me than any other achievement in life. And I didn't tell my kids this this morning, but, and I know some, they're serving in kids' church, and one is in kids' church, and, but the greatest joy of my life is to be a dad. I mean, my story, I'm not going to get into that, but I thought I wasn't going to, that wasn't going to happen for me. And it did. And I'm happy about that. And I want that to be an achievement more important than any, any work. As important as the ministry is to me and as important as all that is, I, won't, I don't want to sacrifice my kids for that. They're more important than that. There's worries and pressures, though, that come with work and, and a normal, natural pride that comes with it. And there's times where it can work as a kryptonite and it can affect our relationships 
outside of work. You know, there's, there's times, um, sorry, I just raced ahead. I got too excited about, about the server here. Uh, there's times where time can be a thing where time becomes a kryptonite and you run out of time. Or the time that you spend with your kids isn't really for them. Grace was really young when she did this to me one day. I don't remember what was going on, but I wasn't being present in the moment with her. Do you, you know what I mean? You know, and there was other things going on, distractions. And I remember she was really little. I remember she grabbed my face with both her hands like this. And she pulled it in front of her and she said, look into my eyes. <laughs> and I felt so bad. I thought, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't focused on her. I mean, what's more important than her in that moment? It's her. That was more important. There's pressures. There's pressures that the world puts on us in our society today that can be a kryptonite and can weaken us as a dad. And I, I'm not intending to offend anybody, but you realize our world preaches that it's more important for you to be happy than for you to fulfill the duties and responsibilities of your life. And when you become a father, no matter the circumstances, you, you take on duties and responsibilities that supersede your personal happiness. I said it. It's true. I've talked to dads who are struggling with what they're going to do with their life and how they're going to respond and what's going on. And a lot of times I look at them and I think, you're a dad. I'm sorry. It's not about you being happy at every moment. It's about you doing the right things at the right times because you have a responsibility to kids you brought in the world and they are more important than your personal happiness. There's times the world puts pressures on us where um, to look and lust after other women other than their, your kid's mom. Job said he covenanted with his eyes not to look lustfully after a woman. But our world and our society is set up for that. It pressures men that as if you don't do that, you're not as much of a man. Every ad on TV, it's, it has to do with that or puppies and kids. And it's as if they, they want to sell you on the idea that that is the goal in life. I'm sorry, it's not. I mean, if you're chasing skirts and you're 40, I mean, seriously? But that's what they sell you with every product on TV, and that's not what it's about. But in your life, you can get twisted around and think you've got to fit into that because that's the way the world pressures you. It can be about making money and having all the toys. And you know that, that old thing about whoever has the most toys wins? And then you know, I'm sure you've seen that bumper sticker. Whoever has the most toys eventually still dies, too. And the toys don't equal happiness. I've talked to young people who say to me, yeah, my dad gives me everything but him. I promise you, they would rather have you than the toys. Ultimately, there's nothing more important than their relationship with you. No thing takes the place of that. I know dads, good friends of mine too, who aren't because of divorce or whatever, not in their kids' lives, and they try so hard to put themselves in there, and they're competing with with the dad who's there and they're putting presents or gifts or, and all that, there's a, there's a balance to that. But nothing's more important than you. And don't fall prey to that and let that thing just clamp you down. Another thing that works as kryptonite sometimes is, is I, I think of it like this, as stage of life. And I know as, as a guy, you grow up with certain things. I want to be doing this and I like this and in our world and and I, I love, like, for instance, I love the uh, hunting, fishing culture of Missouri. You know, growing up in California, we did that, but it was a two-hour drive. 
It wasn't, you, know, like you don't go to Walmart in San Diego and buy guns. They're just not there because they don't, the, around there, it's too difficult to get out and do that kind of thing. But for me, I love that. But there was a time in my life where I realized I'm not going to have time to fish for three years or four years because a kid who's three isn't going to stand there with a fishing pole. It's just not going to happen because they're bored in two minutes. And, you know, it'd be great if you could just put a fish on the line or go, a place, go to a place where you're going to catch with every cast. I mean, that would be awesome. But that's not real life most of the time. And instead, I put that aside for a few years till they are ready for that. And then you pray they are, because not every kid likes what you like, but hopefully they will, and hopefully you'll have some of that, and you can share some of those things. But there's certain stages of life where if you play to what you want to do all the time, it's going to be kryptonite on your relationship with your kids. For some of you, it might be, you know, the sport you love. You know, if you're, I mean, softball just comes to mind, because I know so many guys who, that's their whole life, and they're playing two, three leagues, and you think, wow, I don't even know how you have the energy for that, let alone time for that, but that's at the expense of a relationship unfortunately, from time to time. There's things like this. I, I was at, um, at a funeral, actually, a few years ago. And um, sorry, I got all emotional there. The, the man doing the funeral, it was for his dad. And he talked about how his dad, he remembered his dad saying once to a friend, his, his friend was saying, man, you've let your yard go. And he goes, well, right now I'm raising boys. In a few years, I'll raise grass again. Oh, and he talked about how that was more important to him. His dad, was, his dad spent time with him and, and didn't say, you know, I mean, he, he said he felt like, you know, he was the most important thing in his dad's life. And I, I had to check me because there were times where I thought, you know, we had a swing set in the yard and, and I didn't like how the grass wasn't growing under the swings. But you know what that means? The swings are being used and the kids are having fun and that's more important. That's more important right now. I'm not going to let something like that take the place of me in their life. Now, this next thing I'm going to say, I apologize in advance to some of you because it's going to hurt your feelings, but I was talking to a dad years ago, and he said, I want to have a relationship with my daughter, but, you know, her mom and her new, new husband moved to Texas. You know, and I didn't get into why that happened. How would you let that? I didn't get into that. I just said, well, then you need to move to Texas. And this was here in Kansas City. And he goes, well, you don't understand. I mean, I have a good job, and I, I you know, we, we write letters, and I call her whenever I can, and I said, Why'd you even ask me? Why'd you even ask me? You weren't going to listen to me. And he goes, what do you mean? You got kind of a little belligerent. Maybe I was too, but it just hit me really frustrated, you know. You asked me how you're going to have a relationship with your daughter. I just told you, you need to move to Texas. He goes, well, if I move there, I won't have this. All right. Your job's more important. That's what you just told me. I get it. You know, and then he was really mad at me. And I I handled it wrong, I guess. It just hit me wrong at the time. And I... I just said, well, you wanted a relationship with her, be near her. You can't have it unless you're not there. So then he started going into this whole thing. He go, well, it's, you know, they're kind of doing their thing, and they're forcing me to do this and this. I go, yeah, I get all that. I do. But you want a relationship or not? If you do, move to Texas. It's kryptonite on the relationship. All that's the negative stuff. But hey, let's think about this for a minute. You're not alone in any of this. You're not alone. You're not alone. Do you, do you notice ever how often God uses the, the father-child example for him and his God and our relationship with him? There's a reason for that. And I think about this, you know, God, in the Bible, there's this, this huge scheme and, 
And uh, John Eldridge has a great book called Epic. I'd recommend you read it sometime. But he talks about, and I'm not preaching about that per se, but he talks about how the theme of the whole Bible is the theme that you see repeated in almost every story, almost every movie. It's kind of the same story as the story of the Bible. And think about this for a minute. When you, in your mind, think about a, what a good dad is or what a dad should be, you know what the answer is. It's almost in you. And if maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your father, one of the reasons you know that is you know what it should be. And if you think about the grand scheme of things, God has this perfect thing. In this case, we're talking about fathers and, and epic and whatever. It's talking, about, it's talking about like the world is perfect in the garden. And then something comes in and destroys it or upsets it or messes it up. Think about any movie. That's how it all works, right? You see the pristine environment or the family's great and then something comes in and destroys it. The, the enemy comes in. The villain comes in, right? And for some of you today, this is a difficult holiday. Kind of like for some people, Mother's Day is difficult. And maybe in your world, that's the point that you're stuck at where the villain came in and destroyed things. It could be you, that it was destroyed for you, that you're the father that, that didn't get to enjoy your child because of abortion, or you're the father that failed or wasn't there or made a mistake, and because of that, your family and relationship isn't the ideal that it was. Maybe for you, you're the, the child who didn't know dad, and uncles filled in, and grandfathers, and other people, and, and we even talk about God filling in in that position. But for some reason, what the ideal was, ideal has been destroyed or damaged. doesn't have to be that dramatic. We are doing superhero stuff, but. And what's the next part? What happens in every movie? A hero comes in, right? And sometimes the hero has to be convinced that they're the hero. Those ones always bug me, you know, like Luke Skywalker in that first one. Like, dude, man up and be the man. What's anyway. So the hero has to be convinced or trained or mentored. And for some of us, that's where we're at. We, we have a situation that needs to be fixed and you're the hero, you're the superhero, and the superpowers are there, but they need, to be, they need to be built up and brought out and trained, and you need to learn how to fight, and you need to learn how to use and leverage your powers to fix the situation. And maybe for you, you're the one that, you, you were the, the, the daughter, and it wasn't great, but you're married to someone, and you can help support that superhero and make it great. Or you can pray for the other fathers in this church who need your support so bad because they need those superpowers to, to help be the super dad that we need to be in our society today. And then they come in and, and they fight and they, they make it right and then there's victory and everybody walks away from the explosion and they don't even look back. Then that, I always think, how could you not look back? I mean, it just blew your hair forward and you didn't even... okay. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you and you're the superhero. But what you need to know is God doesn't throw us into these situations and say, all right, figure it out on your own. He doesn't do that. Fatherhood is messy and he knows it. I mean, look at scripture. Look at all the fathers in scripture. We were going to do sermons on great fathers in scripture. There's like two. There's God. And then, I mean, there aren't a whole lot. Because life is messy, and it's tough, and all of us make mistakes, and all of us at times need to apologize and go into those things. So let's look at Joshua 1.9. It says, this is my command. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is a word for you dads today. Yes, it's tough. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, it's tough. And you're the superhero, but he will go with you and help you achieve success and victory. And you can walk away from that explosion and act like it didn't even happen. Here's what I want to say to you today. You need to fight. And not just fight, but fight like a man. Fight like a man. Through adversity, through financial adversity, through physical adversity, whatever it is, emotional, social, spiritual, when life's not fair, when the relationship with your wife or, that, or if you're separated or divorced with their mother is tough, you need to fight to make that work. You need to fight and do your part. You need to be a humble fighter, one that cares for others. I said this too. Um, you know that old deal, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. You know what? Sometimes being a lover is a fight. And you need to be a lover that fights. You need, I heard this once and it just struck me so deeply, you know, with, with divorce so common, there's times where kids, even in an intact family where that hasn't been part of the family, they may wonder, is that going to happen to us? One of the most important things you can do as a dad is to assure your kids by not only what you say and the way you live, but just tell them, I'm never going to leave your mom. That security it gives them is powerful. That's you fighting for that relationship. And part of that means you don't, you don't run your, mom, your wife down or your kid's mom down to your kids. They don't need to hear that from you. They, they see it and hear it from all sorts of things, but they don't need to hear it from you. Paul put it this way. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. The way Christ loved the church is sacrificially giving, and he tells us we're supposed to do that for our wives. Our kids need to see that sacrifice and need to understand that you don't do it begrudgingly or frustratedly. You do it because you love them, and you could just say that to them. I do this because I love your mom. I do this and tell them why. Let them hear it out of your mouth because that's how it works. Another thing you need to do as you fight is you need to fight like this. I've heard this, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. That takes a fight. As a dad, sometimes you have a lot of things you got to do, a lot of responsibilities. And sometimes that means you stay up later to do work because your kids are going to go to bed at eight or nine and I can stay up later, but I'm going to fight to make sure I have the time with them now. You fight to make sure you have that, make that work. Let's talk about superhuman strength. I do wish I had that, John superhuman strength a lot of times but the kind of strength i'm talking about is strength of character that's the superhuman strength your kids need to see because if you're doing parenting right then you're influencing them at every level you you can be the biggest influence on your kids now you probably think about this that there's peer pressure and and their friends are going to be an influence at some point and at some point teachers or a baseball coach or some other kind of coach Yeah, all those people will influence, but here's something you need to never forget. Study after study shows that as a parent, you will remain the number one or number two influence if you're engaged in their life. The title alone doesn't give you the influence. It's the engagement. The time you spend, here's here's a sad statistic. They say on average that most kids, they, they say that they have less than two minutes of meaningful conversation with the father during the course of a week week. Do you know how they define meaningful conversation? How do you think? Not meaningful to you. 
It's what's meaningful to them. And for that to happen, it means you spend time and you engage and you listen. And it may be about Skylanders, which I didn't even know what that was. You know what it is, is your kids go through stages and some things come out, like we missed that one. I'm still not even sure for sure what it is. <laughs> but I want to, if you're a dad, you need to know and you need to hear about it because that is a superpower. That is superhuman strength for you to do that. You need to know that your kids imitate you at every level. So in other words, when something has happened that you need to apologize for, you say, I'm sorry. That is a superhuman strength. It is for me. And I know it is for some people where it's difficult for you to actually say that. I'm going to even take it another step further. They need to hear you say that to your wife sometimes. If there's reason for that. I'm sorry. Do you know how that powerful that would be for them? For you to model that? The Bible says in Ephesians that it tells us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And, and the implication is there, imitate their father. Kids imitate all of that. They imitate attitude, words, all of that. You have the opportunity to influence. So I would challenge you, you be the bigger influence. I've thought this all the time. I want to influence them more than any teacher does. I don't care how cool they are or what they know. I want to be more of an influence than that. I want to be more of an influence than their coaches. And their coaches way are way better at the sport they're doing. And I get all that. But my superpower is my time. My superpower is I'm engaged with my kid. My superpower is they know I love them. They know I'm talking to them and I'm listening to them. And because of that, that's going to give me more influence than those other people in their life. And that's how I want it. Most important, though, your superpower is going to be your relationship with Christ. You may not have thought of that as a superpower, but it is when it comes to kids. Can I tell you the number one reason that young people say they leave the faith after, after high school? Because of hypocrisy they saw in the home with their parents. Because parents weren't living for Christ at home like they talked at church or talked out other places. And the kids know, don't they? Because they see us in, day in, day out. They see us... You know, when we haven't had coffee, they see us when we're frustrated about things, and you let your, if you have hair, you let it down. But if you live for Christ in front of them, and that doesn't mean you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. What it means is when you fail, they see it, and they see how you restore the relationship with your wife, and they see how you restore the relationship with them, and they see how you restore the relationship with God. And as they watch you live your life for Christ, that's what they're going to see. And they see it works, and they see it's real. That's a superpower. Joshua said it like this, Choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And when they see that in you, that will change everything. So I challenge you to do this. Find the teachable moments that are all over your life, all over your world. When there's, I mean, you can overdo this and they're like, dad, dad, not everything has to be a sermon. I'm not saying that. But there are times where something happens and you can say, did you see that? What happened there? What, what, what do you think went wrong? Let them tell you because they know, they get it. They'll, they can talk through that. Become a teacher to them. Tell them how it works. Tell them how your life works, the things that it took for you to get where you are. I wrote it down in my notes like this, man up and speak up. Too many of us dads are kind of quiet. You don't have to be like super verbal, but at least take the time to tell them. Tell them, son, daughter, this is how this works. In Deuteronomy 
uh, Moses said it like this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Dads, let's just read it as if it's to you as a dad. And of course, wives are essential in this, but dads, you need to commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. So dads, repeat them again and again to your children. Dads, talk about them when you're at home. Dads, when you're on the road. Dads, when you're going to bed. Dads, when you're getting up. I was at a conference at Pleasant Valley Church up in Liberty years ago. It was a a conference put on by the Center for Fathering. It wasn't a minister's conference. It was for dads. And they gave us a test to determine how we were doing in a lot of areas. One area specifically was, do you pray with your kids? Do you talk about your relationship with your kids? Do your kids see you praying, see you reading your Bible? I was super convicted. And as a pastor... I'm thinking, part of me, you know, you rationalize right away. It's, it's somebody else they're talking to, not me, right? And I look at that and I thought, well, I'm a pastor. They know I pray. And I pray before they're even awake. And I read my scripture before they're even awake. And, but it's important they know that you do that. You may be doing everything right and they not awesome or obviously get to see it. Let them see it. Be the one. So if, if you're doing all this, make sure they get to see it. Last point is this. Be a man. Fight on your knees. I got choked up again, but I, I, my dad was a prayer. He was a prayer. He prayed all the time. I mean, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I was just laughing, thinking about being under a car with him and the wrench slips. He would say, Jesus, help me. And and he could have said something else, and most of us would, maybe. And I remember seeing his knuckles just laid open, and Jesus, help me. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and hearing somebody in the house and just going to see who it was, and it was him praying on the couch. I don't know what he was praying for. I remember him taking me to prayer meetings. I know he prayed for us all the time because I saw it. But more importantly, even than that, is that you're doing it. Are you praying for your kids? Praying that God would protect them from temptation. Praying that God would develop his character in them. Praying for that you know the struggles that they have more than anybody else and praying that God would help with those things. Are you praying for their salvation? Are you praying for their future spouse even now? Praying that God would protect that person from temptation and guard them, whoever that's going to be. I'm not saying you name the name right now, I mean, or whatever, but you need to be praying for them and fighting hard, and fighting for your family, and praying that God would bless you guys because he wants to do that, and he doesn't leave you to do it on your own. You know, one of the things about a lot of times these superheroes is they're like solo acts, but they always have that sidekick too, it seems like, right? And I'm not saying wives are sidekicks, but I'm saying nobody does it alone. Nobody does it alone. We do it together. I'm so thankful that Pastor Jeremy mentioned the, uh, you know, the things we have for men. Because as a man, you need the support of other godly men who are walking the same road and struggling with the same struggles. And there are safe places for you to struggle here as a guy. Those Thursday morning breakfasts, I know it's early, but I, I encourage you to come if you can work in your schedule. Um, the, we do the Ironman Bible study. It's second and fourth Tuesday. It just happens to be this week. We meet in the crown room. It's a great time of fellowship and challenge. And we share prayer requests that are staying there. It's, it's a place where you can connect with guys. We challenge you and encourage you to do that. Last thing I want to leave you with is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. 
Be on guard. You're in a battle, guys. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I put be men in parentheses. Do you know why? I don't do this very often, but in the Greek, it actually says be men. It doesn't actually say be courageous. It says be men. But in most translations, they translated that, well, what character of men was Paul intending to convey here? And they write in courageous. Because that's the, that's, the, that's the idea that's trying to be conveyed here. But in Scripture, it actually says, be men. I like that. We can celebrate what it means to be a man. And in this Scripture, it's saying, be a man. Stand firm. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Be a man. That's what being a man means to be a Christian man. And I encourage you to do that. Dave, would you put some music on for us? <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. People ask, why do you do that all the time? I do it because it gives you a sense of privacy in a room full of people. Here's what I want to ask you today. Before we release you to take some pictures and get your kids and take pictures and enjoy the rest of your Father's Day. The first thing I want to address is this. And I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hands because this is a very private thing. I know, even though with everything we've said today, I know that this day could be painful for some of you. And it breaks my heart that that's the way it is. Because I know it's real and I know that pain for some of you can be very deep today if that's you I just want to pray with you for a moment and I want to encourage you that you can pray for us dads that are in this room pray for the dads in your world you can help be the the sidekick that helps us be better dads but I do want to pray for you right now let's just take a moment and do that and keep your eyes closed for just a few more minutes father I pray for those who haven't had the the ideal dad relationship from the beginning or now.